Welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we are going to be talking about how to adapt to the evolution of service. I'm happy to welcome to the podcast today, Urban Hofstrom, Director at Accenture. Urban, welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be with you today. And uh, that's a short intro about myself. I'm, I'm uh, Swedish from origin. I work for Accenture at the European global level as part of the service operation practice that I was a part of leading. And in that uh, in that practice role, I come, uh, come of course, in touch with many, many uh, field service issues. I've been in the, in the business for the last 30 years, so, so I, I have probably seen most of what needs to be seen and driven also a lot of the changes that we, we are currently seeing in the market. So, Sarah, back to you. Yeah, Where's perfect. To be here? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being here. And I, I love talking with people that have been in the industry for quite some time because, because of that evolution. I mean, so much has changed um, in the past 10 years, five years. I mean, really, even in the past 18 months or the past year. And it's it's a really exciting time to be uh, in service. Uh, and I, I love talking with people that have that perspective of, of having witnessed a lot of that evolution firsthand. So let's talk then about some of the key ways that you've witnessed service industries evolving over the past few years. I know there are a lot of ways, so maybe let's focus on, you know, the, the top three that you find interesting or relevant. Yeah, I can do that. I'll start with one general comment on the service business. It, it's more or less coming from a cost-center-driven approach that many companies actually implemented, just the fact that they needed to maintain and take care of the products they have deployed into the markets and they operated, but they never really treated as a business. And that really uh, happened in the late 90s uh, and mid-90s when that started becoming the real the real trend and, and service became a real profit maker for, for all companies. I think software and IT was, of course, leading that trend and then followed by life science and then followed by telecom and then followed by industrial equipment. So, so we're a bit later into that way. But that is a real evolution. And if I see the, the next three things that I believe is going to be extremely exciting, it's really about the living product, adaptable operations and the digital ecosystem. Uh, and innovation and growth, moving towards a data-driven, intelligence-driven business in, in a new way. Uh, and basically here we have companies now really need to, to reinvent themselves. They are reinventing the product and they are reinventing their supply chain to drive uh, sustained growth. But they also need advice to have now to rethink the way they do service. And, and looking then forward, which I really like to do, these three things are really happening now and it's all technology driven and actually it will over the next five to ten years really change the way we are we are not only delivering service but to what services we create and what services basically also how we sell these services to, to the client clients will will have completely new demands than, than they had in the past and here we're going in now to to uh, in all industries the service is becoming the product the product mm -hmm. is more a function and that is going to go 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 so fast, so so it's going to be overwhelming to to keep up with the pace of development. So let's talk a little bit more about some of the key ways that you've seen technology evolve to better enable service organizations over the last three to five years. 
Yeah, technologies, of course, are, are really important. And if we look mo- moving in now to the smart connected products, the living product I mentioned before, that's really something that's been uh, growing over the last couple of years, so even longer. People start to connect the product, selecting data, but people never really thought about what to do with that data. It was more about thinking, printing a report, sending a report to a client who didn't know what to do with this report because it reflected the past. Not really what's, what what he needed was basically prevent failure for, for the future. Uh, the technologies are, of course, the usual suspect. Uh, it's really going to change a lot. That's the artificial intelligence and the use of that, which will be really important for, for the sort of maintenance service activity of our technology. Also, the blockchain will be very, very important for the part business that manufacturing will be the driving force. Extended reality and robotics being soft robotics, not only industrial robotics, will also uh, change the way we deliver services. All these technologies connected with basically the IT platform the software providers are providing today or trying to provide today to to the OEMs uh, will be will be so important for how this is going to 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 go forward. So. So let's focus on one of these things. Uh, we talk a bit about artificial intelligence, which basically will help you to diagnose now the data you collect from the smart connected devices and, and basically have a self-healing product regardless of product. And, and that's going to be quite, uh, quite, quite a big driving force. I do believe that's going to change all the way we do in industrial equipment, all the stuff we do in software, all the stuff we do in 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 IT technology and how that is being deployed into the various industries we operate in. It will not only change the way we deliver services, it will also change the way we create new services because the use of these technologies will enable us to do new things and change the way we deliver services. I can take one example, Sarah, which goes back to Michelin. Michelin is a company, a client of ours. They do tires. I don't think many of the people listening to this podcast ever called Michelin to buy a tire. They bought it from some retailer or some gas station or garage to put on their cars, and that was it, and they drove away. And then perhaps they looked at it uh, year on year, and it was worn out. They, they, they changed it. What Michelin basically did, saying they have a commoditized product, how can we add value to this? product and, and they came up with some quite revolutionary ideas for being such a commodity-based company, implementing a lot of sensors into these tires and also into the trucks in this case that they were using the tires and starting to focus on fuel efficiency and tire management. And all that thing was sold as a service to big uh, big companies, logistic companies that had fleets of trucks uh, that needed to change tires all the time and needed to be uh, also very dependent on fuel efficiency. So by monitoring the performance of the tires, they could easily guide these trucks to go into different uh, partners that are part of their ecosystem, change them, and, and they will manage these tires on behalf of these uh, this, this, uh, this transportation companies in a much better way than they've done before, and it added a lot of value. It added a lot of value also to the product sales, and. And here again is a change where the, the service becomes the product. Michelin grew this business a lot. And it also gave them something they didn't really have before, the end user contact. They sold through resellers and they lost that connection with the end client. But in this, uh, this offering, they, 
basically regain that again and regain trust and regain a new competitive edge in the market they operate by selling these tires more as a service. I think that is, for me, the trend that I see happening all over the place at the moment. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good example. Now, as you mentioned in the beginning, you have years of experience in in service, and you've worked with countless different organizations that are are navigating these changes. What are what are some of your top tips for what it takes for companies to really embrace this evolution and adapt the way they they need to to be successful in today's landscape? Yeah, well, they have to be brave, Sarah, and and uh, the management of these companies have to be brave. Now that varies, of course, by industry. And what a brave meaning is, is, is what I mean basically is: do they have the guts to put service of the forefront of their offering, or is this a necessary evil to maintain a product that's not competitive at the market or protect the product base? And and here I see companies struggling. I mean, not in the software industry, of course, they are already far light years ahead of any other industries with the cloud-based application. If they are launching now where everything is subscription, everything is at the service. If I go back then uh, in the chain and looked at the industrial equipment companies and more hardware oriented product companies, that's where the challenge is. And for them, it's how to be brave to put service at the forefront. Service is the product after sales is the new sales and move away from, from a capex oriented business to an annuity subscription based business also in that, uh, that respect. And that takes a lot of guts, and it takes a lot of, lot of convincing inside these companies to overcome a product-oriented approach. I have many clients now that I work with that that are trying to do that, and, and the mature, they are different in in the way they are mature in order to do it. But it's it's the courage of the people in charge of these corporations that would determine if they can jump on this bandwagon and really take the step and put service on the forefront, not. Not an easy thing to do, Sarah. It's very difficult. And many companies basically fail in their transformation to service because of internal conflict. I mean, normally it ends up in big battles where the product business basically wins and the service business is not allowed to, to, to grow. I, I, I do believe, again, that technology will drive this forward. Companies will be forced over time to move in this direction, regardless of if they want to stay competitive. And the best success for new product sales is a good solid service business to handle the client once the product is installed and guide them through how we can optimize the use of this uh, technology as acquired. And also you can keep them on the technology migration and upgrade over time. Just like to do in the software business uh, that made that so successful. And, and if you can duplicate that across all technologies and industries, um, uh, you, you will be successful. Good. Very good advice. So, Urban, we've talked a lot about, you know, the evolution that's taken place. What do you envision the next five years looking like? I mean, what do you think is is going to happen next? Uh, what I think is going to happen next is basically I go back to what I started with. I, I, it's all about technology and, and what technology will do to the to the business and to the, the service business across uh, across the industries and go back again the living product adaptable operation and digital ecosystem innovation and growth and the data driven uh, intelligence this will revolutionize the way we do business let me take one example 
I have a client uh, basically here outside Zurich. They are in life science. They have 15,000 people in the field service organization, probably 20 if I include all the people working in that organization. And they are going on the bandwagon now how to modernize and optimize the way they do their work. Uh, two things uh, is important for them is really they sell all this test equipment into hospitals, into the institution that provide blood tests and uh, scans, etc. on us as patients, heavily regulated industry. And today it's a CapEx business and service more or less an, an, an afterthought. Now they want to move into a model where they have a guaranteed number of tests during a given time frame. They guaranteed their uptime, they guaranteed migration on the technology. They, they are they are implementing over time, etc. And they complete a new business model. Uh, they will implement now uh, more intelligence into the product, basically coming to the self-healing product where you collect data, but actually do something with the data more than print reports. And they then will uh, have the adaptable operation, how they deliver all these services together in an ecosystem. The driving force for that is of the 15,000 technicians they have today, in five to 10 years, they will only have half of that. Rest, they are retired. <laughs> so uh, they are forced to do something different because there's not new technicians to hire who has all this experience how to handle this equipment they are selling. And as you know, Sarah, today nobody wants to be a service engineer anymore. Everybody wants to be bloggers and influencers on YouTube, make billions when they are 30, retire at 35 and fight for climate change. There's right. nothing wrong with that. It's a very good initiative to do. But that's the driving force of the head of the global service organization in this company. He needs to handle the migration of the workforce. He needs to add more intelligence to the product so he can do more automatically. And basically, he wants to hire more people who prevent things from going wrong rather than pe people who are reacting to an event where things already are going wrong. So it's a complete change for him. That also means that he can, can generate a new business model on top of that, which I mentioned earlier, and, and, and you know, pivot into the new uh, as he, as he moves forward and adds value to his customers and to, of course, to his own company. But it, that is a major evolution, and that's going to happen in all industries. And I've been in a couple of companies now, and a couple of projects I have, the thing happened, the same thing. I mean, another example is the wind turbine industry. Who wants to climb up 100 meters in a wind turbine in, in a dirty environment and fix a gearbox, uh, risking your life falling down and die? So it, it, it also requires a more technology, more rethinking about what type of service they are going to provide and what they're going to sell. And that would be a, a major evolution in, in, in the service business for all companies. Very exciting. I really uh, look forward to, to participate in the evolution because it will go faster. I mean, the evolution we had the last 10 years will now happen in the next five years. So. Yeah. So it's yeah. not going to be. It, and and what, what I see also, which I see is a real challenge, is the the software providers who are not providing all these platforms that this is going to be based on. They are they are struggling to 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 get it together, to get it to work before the next wave already comes of technology that they, they will have to, to adapt and put into the market. So so again, technology evolution, uh, data driven intelligence, living products, adaptive operation, and a digital ecosystem. I mean, this is so very, very important. Ecosystem will be more important as 
my friend in the life science company, he will not employ all these people that he can't find them. So the hands-on work will be done by the client. And, and then you need to have a technology so you can guide the client and tell them what to do on site and, and you don't send people anymore. So it's a completely different way of operating uh, as I go forward, as we go forward. It's exciting, Sarah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so go ahead. No, I'm fine. Oh, okay, sorry. I thought I interrupted you. So, looking at looking at what's coming and, and the pace that's going to continue to to quicken, um, what would you lend our listeners as your top piece of advice for how to prepare for this next phase? How to prepare for for what's happening from this point forward? Uh, I do believe you have to have a really open mind, and and you know they have been around for a couple of years. Uh, the traditional service manager was always a guy who looked in the rearview mirror to find the future, uh, keeping everything the way it used to be. That doesn't work anymore. We have to have more innovation and, and be open-minded for the changes and embrace the change. Then you can uh, you can be successful uh, and be very open for for new business models, new requirements for clients. And not only focus on the spare part business when you are selling services, but really be open for what what uh, what the new demands will be, and and the openness will will bring you success. Everybody who tries to protect the base only will not succeed. And then to prepare for it, I basically would like to look at the two ways. I mean, we'll always talk in the center about the wise pivot, and and that's basically. Going forward uh, in your environment, uh, focus on your legacy business, basically to to make the most of it, but also to grow the core business that you have it and transform in the wise pivot into the new. Many clients I've seen they are very good at at coming up with the argument. Let's focus fixing the basics before we move into the new, and they continue fixing the basics until health risk is over, mm-hmm. and they never move into the new. Another takes the business away from them and eat their lunch. It's a bit like the the person is waiting for the perfect washing machine is still washing by hand. And and that mentality needs to go away. And if you, you can separate yourself from that and be open for new, then uh, you have a chance to succeed. Company has done that. It's Rockwell Automation in, based up in Milwaukee. I was just recently at the Automation Fair in Chicago before Christmas. They really have embraced a new model. I mean, a very traditional company, over 100 years old, and you can imagine uh, the mentality in a hundred-year-old company. It's sort of ingrained in the walls. But these guys have really managed to move the, the goalposts um, and then really are operating in a very interesting way where they're embracing new technology, they're implementing it in their solutions, and they're coming up with completely new models for, for, for the clients how to buy their product, which basically is PLC uh, manufacturing uh, automation. It's what they do in, in specifically automotive. And, and and I see that people who can have that mindset, that's the best preparation. Uh, be open for, for for facing the new and, and go really forward and, and be on, on the forefront of technology. Come back on technology because it's really really going to be a key differentiator if you want to operate in any in its service business today. Absolutely. How we can embrace it, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I can tell, Urban, how passionate you are about what you do and about this space. And I, I and I 
I, I love that. Um, I'm curious, you know, if if you had to kind of summarize, what excites you most about what's currently happening in in our industry? What excites me in the service industry is the ongoing increased recognition for cooperation, the importance of the service business, and the success of the company it will bring. You know, companies who embrace the service business and develop it as a standalone business will be very successful uh, doing that. But they will also not only be successful in the service business, but also as companies. That really excites me. And I just did a project for a big German conglomerate uh, uh, who have uh, 78 billion euros in turnover, almost half a a million uh, employees, and they have decided at the CEO level to now start focusing on this service business. It's very exciting to advise them what to do, how to go about it, and to feel the passion inside the organization on how they can do so much more for the client than just providing a base technology. So I think that, for me, is the most exciting piece. The other exciting piece is, of course, everything around the technology that's coming out and the speed. And and um, being a bit uh, older, I, I just wonder how I myself would be able to keep up with this pace. And, uh, and that will be a challenge for me. But I think it's really, really exciting to see the young people coming into the business and what they will bring in terms of new thinking, completely out of the box, completely unbiased, completely not connected to things that happened in the past. And, and uh, if we can capitalize on, on that innovation, and in all industries, the country corporations that we advise will be extremely successful going forward. So, so that's basically in a nutshell what I think is going to be exciting and challenging at the same time. But on the positive note, it's going to be a key differentiator for all corporations who embrace this. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great, uh, great input. Any other any other comments that you would want to share with the audience? Um, can you let them know where they can find you and, and where they can learn more about Accenture? They can do it on our website, and they can look into what we do on services or published there, so Accenture.com. And then you look at uh, management consulting, and you will find find the a tab there called Industry X, and that's where we have all the stuff that I just talked about. And and uh, if, it's, if, if you don't find it as a listener, you can always write to me. It's my first name plus my last name at Accenture.com. And uh, just one other caveat is uh, on my last name, it should not be just O-M, it should be O-E-M. And you can just write to me and I'll, I'll see if I can guide you to, to the right uh, location where you can find information about what to do in service. We have some many transformation programs over the years for big corporations and we have a lot of reference cases and, and credentials that we'd be happy to share with anyone who wants to look at it. Okay, wonderful. Thank you, Urban, so much for, for talking with me today and, and sharing your expertise with our audience. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Sarah, for your time. For more content that can help you uh, keep up with the pace of change in the service industry, you can check out all sorts of resources on our website, www.futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn and Twitter at the Future of FS. 
The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS service management by visiting www.ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you.